where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to Doing Time Show. Um, we have got a few um, people on the show today. Yep. Um, we've got someone from Donna, hopefully from um, uh, Justice for Elijah, um, Tori from the Superglue 7, and Dan, who's talking about a refugee uh, public forum. Good on you, Peter. That, that, that's great. And this is 3CR Community Radio. 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. So before we actually get on to Donna, just wanted to give a little bit of an intro about Elijah. Elijah, um, Hundreds of people rallied against the release of Elijah Doherty's killer. And as um, listeners are aware, and we've actually done quite a lot of coverage about this, um, Elijah is a young Aboriginal boy who um, was killed in August 2016 after a 4WD ran over the top of him and his motorbike. And the 56-year-old driver was sentenced to three years jail with the manslaughter charge downgraded to a lesser charge of dangerous driving causing death. And family family member Donna Schiltz um, would like to see peaceful protests across Australia to show support for the family who tried to appeal against the verdict. And she can't stress how important it is that people help the family to get this message out. And she says that they need to apply public pressure back on the DPP, Department of Public Prosecutions, who has done nothing to bring about um, a just sentence. So we'll call her soon and hopefully she will be available. Yep, um, we'll just go to an announcement. No, oh, no, we'll go to a song. Um. OCR, the perfect companion in your car on your road trip. You can stream radio Anywhere. straight into your car. Straight in. Like 3CR gets streamed straight into your car. Keeping you company. No matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll have something interesting in your ear. That's correct. And you can Bluetooth it and you can just stick it right into you. (laughs) Is any kind of attachment you want? (laughs) To subscribe to 3CR, unwaged is $35. Yes. Waged? $75. And solidarity? $150. $150. That's pretty reasonable to help keep 3CR on air. Call 3CR 94198377 and... Subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe now. When I'm on a road trip, I want to take 3CR with me and listen to Rock and Roll. Subscribe. Subscriber drive is um, still is over, but it's still not late to subscribe. Absolutely. I think it finishes at the end of the month. 
And you're back with the Doing Time show. And one of the things is that just to apologise to listeners, we were unable to get on to Donna Schultz, who is a family, family member of Elijah. Um, so we'll do some more coverage next week about that. But coming up now is we're going to be speaking with Tori and she has some very important information um, about a protest um, that happened in regards to um, refugees and asylum seekers. Hello, Tori. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi, Tori. <laughs> hey. Peter's here too. It's great to have you, Tori. Now, I'm wondering if you could just give us a little bit of background of um, what collective you're from and also what's been happening with the protest and, and the court consequences. Sure thing. So I'm part of a group called Whistleblowers Activist Citizens Alliance, WACA for short, and we are a kind of large community and there's there's uh, community members of us all across Australia, but uh, we, we protest and campaign on... Uh, targeting the issues of refugees, military and climate change, as well as showing solidarity to many other issues because we see them as intersectional ones. Um, and uh, coming up at the end of the month is a court case for a protest that WACA members did at the end of 2016 where they interrupted question time in Parliament. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was on on the, the news. Yeah, I think quite it would have made coverage. the news. Probably the most exciting thing to happen in that room in a while. <laughs> yeah. And so what was the message that you were trying to get across? And I believe there was also, you, you put super glue? Or not you, but yeah, so, the actual group? Yeah, the people that went in. So what the decision was, was that, because they were talking about refugees and the refugee policy in Australia, and they decided that if the politicians won't come to us, you know, we'll go to them. And so... They went into the public gallery and superglued their hands to the banister and did what's called a human mic, where one person says the sentence and then everyone echoes it to amplify the message. And it was really just about needing to talk to these politicians about the the crimes that they are committing against innocent people in keeping people in onshore and offshore detention. Uh, and that, you know, they, like one thing we say is that they need to stop playing politics with people's lives because they're policies, their bipartisan policies, are responsible for death, abuse, torture and suffering of refugees. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so is this, you were speaking about everybody, weren't you? Not just Manus, but offshore and, on, and yeah. onshore as well. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, just last week, a Tamil asylum seeker was deported along yeah. with several others back to Sri Lanka. And particularly, there have been Tamil refugees that have been in onshore detention for up to and over eight years now, which is just obscene. And, you know, this this dogmatism about the success of stopping the boats ignores and invisibilizes all of these inhumane conditions that people continue to live in. I just couldn't stand it, particularly um, with the government being in power now, where they're saying, oh, yes, we're stopping the boats. What, what's that achieving? Yeah. What's that proving? Exactly. It's proving nothing. It's proving that they have to have this kind of, like, uh, manic attention to the, the sovereignty of their borders, which is, of course, completely false when you look at the perspective that this is a colonial state. But if they just stick to that, they can't, they can't afford to admit that they were actually wrong, you know, that they have actually committed crimes and that they actually 
they can't afford to be accountable for all of the injustices that they've committed. So they have to just distract everyone with this like ridiculous policy. So to set the scene, so what parliament was it, Tori? It was the national parliament in Canberra. Ooh. I guess the federal parliament. Federal parliament, yeah, the big one. <laughs> and what were the charges? So the charge uh, is the willful intention to damage Commonwealth property. Uh, and the the people that are facing these charges maintain their innocence and, yeah, would rather actually just talk about the issues, the, why they went in and did what they did. But um, I think that um, my personal opinion is that the government are just trying to scare people off from standing up and speaking out against these issues. Yeah, well, they've certainly got blood on their hands, that's for sure. Yeah. And Absolutely. when is the court case? Because it would be great if we could actually tell, you know, suggest to listeners that they actually rock up and support the protesters in court. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. And, hey, wouldn't it be cool if more people went and interrupted question time while mm. people were facing charges for that very thing? It's happening in the last week of March, right before uh, the Easter break. Okay. Yeah. It'll be at the Supreme Court in, in Canberra, yeah. And if oh, people want to do... Yeah, and if people want to do come and show solidarity, that would be most welcome, or to do solidarity actions in their hometowns to make sure that the government know that people won't be scared into silence on these issues and that we're going to continue amplifying the voices of people that are being silenced in in detention. And this charge, what sentence does it potentially carry, generally speaking? Yeah, it has the maximum penalty of jail time and hefty fines which when you think about the super glue, like, <laughs> it's like, really, where are your priorities? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. yeah, seriously. It's a bit of a joke. But that's what they have to do because they, they can't afford to acknowledge that they're, they're the real criminals, so to speak, in this situation. And I think that there's going to be some benefits planned. Peter, are you organising a benefit? Yeah, this... Saturday. Okay, do you want to advertise that? Yeah, the, the WACA 7 um, su- Supreme Court fundraiser with Izzy, mm. Br- Izzy Brown at 7.30 from Combat Wombat. Um, dumb shit, that's my dumb band. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mildew, they're really cool. Great they're, name. There's two, two um, trans people, they're really like synth music. <laughs> And the Pope's assassin, they're like punk sort of, um, mm. I don't know, punk rock can roll. And the Ball Busters are a queer um, trans band. And what date is that on and where? Saturday the 3rd of March, uh, Footscray yep. Hotel, 48 Hopkins Street, Footscray. Um, it's $10 to get in. And this event is LGBT. TIQ plus and people of colour inclusive. Please no dickheads. <laughs> yeah. It says duckheads here. <laughs> <laughs> no duckheads and no dickheads. <laughs> and the, this event will be take, taking place on stolen land. That's what it. And so the proceeds to that is is going to Wacko, right? To to pay their their fees. Wacko, yeah. Wacko, is that how yeah. you pronounce it? Yeah. Yep. So this will be going. So, so since since that. Um, protests in Parliament at the end of 2016. There have been countless uh, like, subsequent, like subsequent 
uh, protest that we've done and, like, you know, our, our man, uh, one of our ethics is that the action isn't over until the fines are paid and everyone's out of court. So we collectively, uh, we collectively uh, pay for, look after everyone, uh, and that includes paying their fines. So these fundraisers are, um, yeah, covering those costs. Fantastic. And yeah. without wanting to go too much into strategy and detail into strategy because we've got to be careful of contempt of court, but just mm. a general question, are the, do the protesters have lawyers already booked? Oh, definitely, yeah. We've got, um, yeah, Wacker have always worked with really uh, wonderful lawyers that are also really committed to the cause, yeah. You know, Tori, it would be great to have, after the court case, it would be really great to have one of the lawyers that represented um, the activists to come onto the show and talk about the outcome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We can see what we can do. So can you tell us a little bit more about the what's happening with the refugees and asylum seekers? What what are the main things that are that are really prominent right now, do you think? Well... I think that given given the intensity of last year with the siege on Manus and the, the men there being moved to longer now, I think that it's really about making sure that attention is, is focused on making sure that they are being resettled uh, safely to places where they wish to go because, you know, it got to the point where they said, we don't want to come to Australia anymore. So it's really about paying attention to the people who are in detention and listening to what they want. Um, and particularly uh, looking at the state of deportations that are happening onshore and, yeah, like highlighting the, the like, you know, when you've got the U- United Nations Human Rights Council, you know, imploring the government to, to consider the fact that the, these people are going to be facing torture and disappearance if they return to their home countries. Just, yeah, I mean, you know, after so many years, it's like, when, when will the government listen? But it, it's, it's just got to be a matter of urgency always for these people. Mm. We yeah. interviewed Sally, actually, didn't we, Peter? Yep. Um, and she, yeah, yeah. She, was, she made a very important point where she said that, you know, refugees and asylum seekers are like having your own friends and neighbours, you know, that it, that it, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, it could be anybody yep. that gets deported. And that's the thing that I think that is like the way that the difficulties with the government policy and the, the way that the media portrays things is people forget that if if the government is prepared to treat like people that aren't Australian citizens in such inhumane ways, yeah, you've got to remember that this could be a domestic policy and a domestic treatment of people one day and is already against many people in Australia. Absolutely. And Peter, sorry, you had something to say? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Just the attitude... <laughs> Of um like the mainstream media and like you know um Abbott saying that um Tony Abbott saying that refugees are take are taking over our jobs basically and yeah that's why there's <laughs> overpopulation because of refugees yeah no yeah idiot. if 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 the government is saying that refugees are, are taking people's jobs then people should be saying to the government why aren't you providing enough jobs for everybody like yeah. you know they're just Scapegoating, it's really obvious. It's high unemployment. Yeah. Um, I haven't got a job, you know. What I mean? and, it's, yeah. And not only is it high employment, but, you know, that this government is really looking at the rich. It's not looking at the yeah. at, at um, essential services like public transport. Um, mm. 
mm. you know, healthcare, and what yeah. if they're not looking at public transport and healthcare? How are they going to look at ref- refugees and asylum seekers? Exactly, you know? and imagine, imagine if I don't know the figures, but the astronomical the amount that it costs to keep people in offshore detention, and like imagine in this some kind of utopia where that money was able to be spent on resettlement and yeah, going into public public things like healthcare and education. Wild. <laughs> it is, and it's st- instead of locking people up, you know, let's let's do some innovative programs. Let's make some some good policies. Mm. I mean, yeah. And mm. I, I think what I find really interesting, and we're going to be speaking with Dan very soon um, after you, Tori. He's apparently there's going to be a public forum happening about mm-hmm. Manus Island, yep. and cool. basically, so th- this radio show has basically turned into a special broadcast for refugees, and that's a good thing. But, mm. you know, I find it interesting that, you know, in detention with refugees, you never serve your time. See, when you go to prison, you have a prison sentence, it ends. Mm. You can even go on parole early. The murderers yeah. and the rapists, you know, they, they even finish their sentences and the pedophiles. You know, I'm just yeah. saying, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. although, I mean, I don't believe, I mean, it's about locking up the poor anyway with prison. There's a lot of over-representation exactly. of Aboriginal people. But I think what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say is they all serve their sentences, don't they? And in detention, yeah. what happens? It's, it's, it's indefinite. It's endless. And, the yeah, the, the psychological warfare against people that have literally done nothing wrong. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, and particularly when you consider the, like, really, like, the long-term element of, of climate change is that like mass migration and being a refugee is only become, become going to become a bigger and bigger issue. And so like our government, if I could, if I could, you know, speak to our government right, right now, I would say, don't you realize things are only going to get worse. And if you have this kind of violent policy, like what, what are you trying to predict for the future? You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's so many things that, are you are being used as distractions now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, it's so <laughs> the media is so insular. Like I can't handle it. I can't mm-hmm. handle putting the TV on at the moment. Yeah, it's too painful. <laughs> oh. It's approximately four. Yeah, go on. Yeah, which is why which is why we Wacker understand that we have to and like everyone has to use the opportunity to navigate the media along the right path because if you are tactical and if you, if you get that right moment you can set the discussion for the week and you can force people that are trying to distract everyone to talk about the proper issues absolutely yeah. Which approximately... is, that's why we do direct action yeah that's right it's about 4:22 and we're speaking with cool. Tori um and you're listening to an interview with Tori I actually nearly forgot I was on air <laughs> This discussion's quite interesting, isn't it? Just having a good chat, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's good to have a chat. And I think, look, the Do and Time show is traditionally a show where, yes, we do formal interviews. Yes, we do have a lot of lawyers in. But we also have um, activists in such as yourself. And, you know, sometimes interviews can become very informal. And we make it our business to provide a safe environment for people to come in here or to speak on the phone who are deprived of a voice. Mm, that's so important. It, yeah. it, it really is important. Are there any other um, final comments you want to make, Tori? Um, well, I'd like obviously thank you for like having a chat with me about these things. I guess I'd just like to 
encourage everyone to like participate in in these kind of discussions and step up in whatever way they feel possible whether like even you know i know some people feel like they can't speak because they work for the enemy or whatever those kind of things but it's it's something that's not going to go away until uh people in power really really realize that we're going to keep disrupting until they actually act with some semblance of humanity and that we are going to continue seeking justice to the people that they are trying to silence yeah i know <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. My boss at work he goes. I said, he said, "Why? Well, what are you doing on the, today?" And I said, oh, "I'm just going to visit some refugees." And then he said, "Ah, oh, those bastards." And I said, "They're all right. <laughs> at least I, you know, um, said they're all right. You know what I mean?" And so it's silencing myself and saying, "Oh, I won't say it again." That's me. really shocking. Yeah. That's yeah. shocking, isn't it? And yeah, that- it's really scary how commonplace those perspectives are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it is scary. I mean, the the examples could go could go on and on. Like I, oh, I yeah. I've even had people saying that, um, oh yeah, um, refugees are taking money away from the old people. That you know they're taking mm. away pensions, and it's it's just disgusting the way oh, some, no, some people go on. It's gross. Yeah. Silly people. Absolutely yeah. gross. It's just the main. It's so media, important to remember. Yeah, and it's so important to remember who is responsible for those kind of arguments. You know, and Correct. it's and it's not it's not the old people, and it's not the unemployed. It's the government. government yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. And I think what we also need to remember, I'm not sure what you think of this, Tory, but is that with court court cases, what the um, the government is doing, and what the police are doing is. They're wanting to slow down the work. They're wanting to slow people down. Mm-hmm. That's why all these petty court cases are happening, petty charges, because they don't want people to speak out. And this is what I say to to listeners. Keep up the good work and don't let anybody slow you down. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and like that, um, just going back to Abbott again, it's it's like a nationalist ideals that he's talking, like a lot of nationalists say that stuff about too many refugees taking jobs and... Yeah, um, which is just completely ignoring the history of Australia. Yeah, and look at the um, – we could – I always argue about infrastructure and you can house a lot of people if you have the right infrastructure and you know what I mean. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, don't talk to me about infrastructure. We'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> Tori, thank you so much for coming onto the program and hopefully listeners can rock up to that benefit on Saturday. Um in Footscray? Footscray Hotel, yep. 48 Hopkins Street. Um, to raise money for, for the activists. And, um, oh, yeah. It starts at 7. <laughs> it starts at 7. Okay. <laughs> so we'll be having you back, I'm sure, um, Tori, for future updates. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Tori um, from WACA, um, yeah. a very prominent and important activist collective that have done numerous protests and a lot of work in regards to refugees and asylum seekers. And everybody, every group is different. And this particular group does a lot of um, grassroots stuff, which is really important. And we'll just go to a track, um, Black and Deadly, by Last Connection. And you're back with the Doing Time show and we're going to be speaking next with Dan from Solidarity who's very kindly agreed to um, come onto the show, the Doing Time show. Hello, Dan. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you going? Hi, Dan. Yeah, Peter's here too. It's lovely to have you. 
Now, Jane, I'm wondering if you could just talk to listeners about solidarity and, and then talk about the public meeting that's coming up. Um, yeah, I'm from Solidarity. We're a, um, a revolutionary socialist organisation working right now to um, build up build up uh, our power as individuals and as collectives to make change. Um, and our main um, one of our main focuses at the moment is in the refugee movement and how we um, fight to get the refugees to be brought to Australia where their safety can be guaranteed. Um, so yeah, we are meeting on have a meet a public meeting on this this Thursday at six pm, and it is uh, we're talking a bit about a bit, a bit about uh, a bit of a story about um, Manus Island in particular, and another side to I think what what people hear a lot. You know, I think people forget um, Australia's particular control that we have over Manus Manus Island in particular and Nauru. You know, a lot of people don't know, for example, that. We, we, we maintained explicit colonial control over Manus Island until 1975 when they gained formal independence. Um, and through some of these ways that Australia is able to have basically complete control over what happens at Manus, on Manus Island and similarly on Nauru, the reality since independence has been far from it, um, really. It's been, it's been uh, that Australia continues to exert control in a number of ways. Like it, uh, through, we have a, a generous aid package um, that constitutes, you know, 68% of our aid budget. Actually, it's concentrated on PNG, as well as we have um, billions of dollars invested in, in, in Australian companies that are in in PNG. So I think the reason this may be important to, to us in the refugee movement um, is understanding a bit of the context behind uh, what's going on. You know, a lot of people look to, say, you know, the US deal, you know, the, the deal that Australia has with the United States. Um, to let refugees go there, or the potential for New Zealand to take some refugees, 150 refugees um, per year, as they've offered. I think it's maybe instructive to look at like the reality that Australia is the one that's making those deals. You know, I think a lot of the time when people are pushing to these things, they say like, you know, we've been we've been asking for ages for Australia for to bring them here has been a demand on the front of our banners for for years. You know, and they haven't been brought to Australia. Maybe we should soften our demands. Maybe we should let the refugees be moved somewhere else. But um, I think. The reason it's really important for us to continue to say bring them here is because, um, because it is Australia calling the shots. You know, between Australia, the, the US deal was struck between the United States and Australia. You know, PNG isn't actually its own um, free. Um, mm. we, we can't ignore those kind of ongoing neo-colonial control that Australia exerts over over you know Manus Island and Nauru. Um, and so I think that's really important for us. Mm. It's pretty interesting what you're talking about, um, the historical aspect of it, Dan. You, you were yeah. talking before about um, the companies, the Australian companies investing in PNG. How Can you just explain a little bit more about that? How is that tied into this? Um, well, the, how is, yeah, so the, the companies of today... Um, um, well, uh, sorry, to be honest about the refugee stuff, a lot of a lot more of it I didn't yeah. mention is more about kind of uh, the the bureaucratic, uh, like so for example, Australia employs a large number of um, Australian nationals who yeah. are in PNG in the in the in the workforce. We 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 pay for so I'll just give some, yeah maybe That's some okay. more explicit yeah, things yeah. about no, like good. what they actually do do. Yeah. So for example, Australia um, funds funds. Uh, these things called the PNG Mobile Squad. I don't. People might people might have heard of this, but 
these these brutal squads kind of they 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 are the ones who were used to blockade um, the Manus detention centre last year. Yes. They also kind of terrorised locals, and there's been numerous instances of kind of beatings and rape, and it's really been really awful. They rope they they rope around in these big um these big trucks that are actually paid for by the Australian, but they're by the by by Australia, um and yeah in and they kind of rope around in those so. For example, like it's Australia that's paying for that. Australia has fund, um, poured an enormous amounts of um, money into also the police, the yep. police force, um, and yeah, we 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 also like we help we we uh, there, there's a lot of um so so one of the ways is by funding particularly military funding and yep. and um, donating. Another one of the ways is through um, corruption, which Australia I think exacerbates yep. continually on the island. So. Um, uh, for example, like MPs, uh, like MPs in in PNG are granted these. They're called electric, electorate development funds, um, and they get to spend that on whatever whatever they wish. And there's been like there's been uh, problems with that because the the MPs typically they don't um, account for where they actually spend them, and they put it puts them in, it gives them this control over these multi million dollar funds. Um, and so this is one of the ways that Australian kind of influence because because that, that mon- money a lot of it comes through comes through Australia um it's one of uh, one of the ways that yeah we're we're involved there so um, basically yeah. what 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 you're leading up to then and correct me if I'm wrong here is that bas- over the the years what's been happening is that the refugees and asylum seekers have been placed into PNG as part of that that terrible atrocious deal and they're yeah. not; they weren't even safe there, and they weren't even yeah. getting proper essential services. And now they've been kicked out and shuttled everywhere. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Yeah, it's 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 atrocious what's happened. I think, like, um, yeah, it is it is ridiculous. I I don't know if people like like I can give like maybe a bit of an update about um what's been what's been happening yes, on please. the island. Yeah, yeah, since so people will be aware maybe that in August. In in August last year, there was this this um, schmozzle with the so Australia tried to, to shut down the RPC, this um this base that's been built there since 1944, um, and Australia tried to shut it down basically to force the refugees into into a different to a different part that's now been moved into Loringau, and so refugees like incredibly fiercely resisted this, which I think was incredible. Um, but they yeah they refused to leave actually the detention centre, knowing how dangerous it was where they were being forced. And they, yeah, so the, the government was blocking. We were trying to get in food to these guys because they'd cut off all the food, cut off the electricity, cut off the water. Um, so we were trying to get in food in there and the PNG, PNG Navy was blockading it. Um, and uh, they eventually came in to break, break the siege. Um, and I think it's, you know, instructive also to know that the, there's ASP officers were on the ground when that happened, you know. Like, this, these claims from Peter Dutton that Australia is somehow not involved with what goes on there, that we're not responsible, are absolute garbage. You know, we continue to be involved. But since then, um, since then, they've been moved to three camps in Lorengau, and uh, the conditions uh, have deteriorated. They've had all of their health services, including mental health services, cut. Um, and that is meaning, like, obviously, particularly for these guys who've been locked up there for four years, as well as their history of, um, like, uh, they're refugees, you know, they've been fleeing traumatic circumstances. It's, it's absolutely atrocious. You know, one, one guy, one 28-year-old Iranian guy kind of um, 
Asbury treated for self-harm earlier this year. So, you know, since then, and there's also been a number of attacks as the refugees go into the markets to sell their wares, et cetera, like um, to, to try and get a little bit of money so that they can afford food. Um, so they've been attacked there by locals because the locals, the locals don't, don't want them there, you know, like the, the history of like underdevelopment, it means that conditions are awful and they can, they, they don't, they don't want them there. But interestingly, yeah, this, we've also seen, you know, people signing a petition to have Australia take responsibility for the refugees. So, you know, I think, yeah, which is a, a hopeful direction, but yeah, the conditions on, the conditions on Manus are, are awful and getting worse, you know, and there's no, no end in sight, you know. The Labor Party kind of talks about, oh, finding some third-party deal. You know, the reality is they've been trying for trying for years. You know, we had the, the supposed Malaysia solution, yeah. East Timor, like there's been, Cambodia's been floated and what, I think there's one refugee left there who, who moved there under this $55 million deal, oh. you know. These third-party third, these third, these third things are a joke and the, the Labor Party, I think, yeah, need, need, to, need to step up, yeah. And, and say that the refugees should be brought here. You know, Dan, it's very true what you're saying. And also one of the things that I, I've i been trying to talk to activists about, and no one remembers, and I, I just want to see if you remember this moment in politics. Oh. And, and, and I'm not here to advocate for a specific political party, but all I'm saying is that when Julia Gillard was in power, I was actually watching Parliament and... She, that the Labor government was going to have a deal, work out something with the Greens to make sure that it was all onshore processing. And because it was a hung parliament at the time, what ended up happening, and it was quite subtle the way it happened, is that um, at that time um, Abbott was in power and the Liberals were actually having a go at Labor saying that they were going to bed with the Greens and there wasn't enough of a majority. And so because of that, the you know, that thing happened with the Malaysian deal and then mm. things went from bad to worse. Yeah. And that's when I think politics went stupid. Well, it was stupid before, but it was worse. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm trying to say here? That, that some good was actually could have been, could have been done. Like it, it was on the way to organising solutions. It still would have taken years, but... It, yeah. Everything just went to hell after that. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. Like, I think we can't be we can't ignore what's going on in in Parliament. And I think there's things that we can do to to force those changes. You know, like when when the Manus when the Manus uh, guys like refuse to leave the centre, for example, like the Labor Party has you know been following the Liberals down a path of virulent racism and and continuing to lock, lock up those refugees. But actually, when, when the guys refused to move from Manus and there was a, a surge of protests all across Australia, you know, students were occupying the immigration office. There was, like, huge protests outside the Liberal Party fundraisers. There was people climbing the Opera House. You know, there was this spark of activity. And in that context of people kind of fighting back, the Labor Party had some slight movement. They finally said that they would accept the um the deal that had been offered by John Key for a number of years uh, from sorry the, the mm. then New Zealand uh, Prime Minister um they finally offered that they would take this deal of bringing 150 refugees um to to New Zealand now that tiny little break from the Labor Party that tiny bit of movement I think is a yeah. bit of a show that when we stand up we can actually move these parties you know the reality is we can't we can't rely on them to do that themselves you know the 
the Labor Party, the Greens, whoever, um, we, we can we like we can stand up and make a move. And you know that's how we've actually seen these camps close before in two thousand and eight. You know, but that was that didn't come because you know I think the reality for us today is that without the social, we saw that without the social pressure from below, having mass movement, building for Palm Sunday, which is coming up, I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, without seeing those things, you know, we're not going to be able to hold the Labor Party to account. I think they're just going to open up. They're going to keep the, refu- the camps open. Yeah. But with, with social pressure from below, though, you know, we saw a huge ramp up in um, anti-racism, you know, in the early 2000s under Howard. Um, and we saw that build a huge um, pro-refugee sentiment. You know, there were hundreds of people went out to Woomera to tear down the fences and welcome refugees. There were huge protests. And, you know, we drew the links between that and, say, the huge protests against the Iraq war and saying war creates refugees, we should welcome refugees. Exactly. Um, all of these things drawing together. And, and with that, with those huge movements that we were seeing then, you know, the Labor yeah. Party was pressured to take a pro-refugee stance. Now, you know, if we can build that up again, we can have a real chance to make make the change. But I think, yeah, the reality is without it, we're not going to see, without a huge social movement, um, we're not going to see um, any politicians at all taking the, the pro-refugee stance they need to take for us to get the refugees to Australia. That's exactly right. So I'm wondering if you could talk about the, the public forum now. Could you just tell us where it is, what's happening, and what, who the speakers are, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the public forum is at um, University of Melbourne. Uh, the, it, it will be... I'll um, give you the details in two ticks because I need to look up the room number so people can write it down, but... Uh, it's put on by Solidarity, and we're particularly involved in the refugee movement. Um, uh, the main speaker will be uh, me. I've just I'm <laughs> I'm a refugee activist, um, and I've been involved in the movement for a number of years. Yep. Uh, I've just finished my my um, thesis on Australia's my honours thesis on um, Australia's border racism. Oh, good. Um, and so, and yeah, the the the, the interrelations between between uh, that racism and yeah how the border. Uh, operates for us. Um, so the the refugee the event is this Wednesday at six pm. Um, it is at room two zero eight in the David Caro Building at Melbourne University. People can look it up on Facebook. Just looking up, it's called Manus Island Refugees and Australia's Colonial Legacy. So you know, here what we're going to talk about is a bit of that stuff. I I, I got into it pretty deep early on there. A bit yeah, about it was like, good. Yeah. <laughs> a bit it's... about that kind of ongoing colonial and neocolonialism that exists on Manus Island and how it is that Australia is able to... So you're going to be speaking? Going on. Yeah, I'll be speaking, yeah. And is that and, it? Um, just you? Or there's others? Just me. Just, oh, just that's me. great. No, but Dan, <laughs> this, is, this is a wonderful thing actually because um, it doesn't matter whether there's one or 20, it's always good to have... Um, like, honestly, you've, you've actually gone in very deep, as you said. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, and I'll I'll go into a bit deeper about about the the brutality of that colonial history, and I'll talk a bit about the specific measures, aid measures, and there's a bunch of like awful stuff around, you know, Howard's threats that was Howard made threats in 2003 that was able to get a whole bunch of um, force a whole bunch of Australian diplomats into into the PNG public service and, and maintain control there. There's a there's a whole awful. Um, History there that we're going to get into a bit of how and why these things happen and the the reality of corruption in PNG and and what that means for us and and I think also with that the importance for us in the refugee movement why our efforts need to be focused on Australia because um, you know actually 
it's not the we we can't lay all of the blame at the heart of the at the PNG PNG government because no, no. you know you look at the you look at who's all, who's making these orders who's at the front of the 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 navy pull, pulling it out it's Australia you look at who's making these deals it's Peter Dutton so I think you know and knowing a bit of that history is really important and a bit and a bit of that reality is important so that we know where our where our where our interventions need to lie as you know whoever we are refugee activists. Um, but yeah, so I'd encourage people to come along to the to our meeting um, Wednesday, six PM at Melbourne Uni um, in the David Caro Building, Room Two Zero Eight. Bit locked away. We'll have up signs so people can find it. Um, but yeah, if I if I can also have a bit of a plug for you know where the refugee movement's at at the moment, yep. um, I might just talk a bit about like um, the the big the big thing we're moving up for is that, um, on the Palm Sunday, the Walk for Justice for Refugees. So. We'll be meeting on 25th March, 2 p.m. at the State Library. Um, and this typically is the biggest refugee rally of the year. It's where we come together um, and show, you know, that the broad range of Australia's Australian society um, opposes these uh, racist camps, you know, that teachers, nurses, ordinary unionists, ordinary people, you know, well, we'll, I'm a student, I'll be taking a, well, you know, a bunch of students will be there and we'll be, yeah, uh, showing our opposition and building up that social movement we need to see. You know, the reality is we're a long way from the kind of the, the, the kind of uh, refugee movements we need to see with, you know, hundreds of people getting shipped out to Woomera and these kinds of things. But, you know, the more and more we build, the more we build this Palm Sunday, um, it's going to be, we're, we're hoping to be good. So that's a lot of that's being done through the Refugee um, Action Coalition here. And, um, so, uh, yeah, and people should get involved. Talk to your friends about... Um, you know, bringing along a contingent, talk to your people you work with about bringing a contingent to that Palm Sunday rally on the 25th of March. Because I think, you know, the more people we get along to that, the more we talk about the issue, we force it into the into the political mainstream and force, you know, I really believe that we can we can wedge the Labor Party on this. We can force them to well um, break their awful bipartisan support for cruelty. Um, and you know, and we stand with all all people. We welcome all all people of all political persuasions. You know. If you're a Labor Party member and you oppose the Labor Party's policy, come along. If you're a Greens member and if you're a person who disagrees with voting, whatever. Everyone's yeah. welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, you're talking about bipartisan support for cruelty and breaking that bipartisan support. Mm. I don't know if you if you recall, but um, the Doing Time show actually recorded um, a, a meeting that was hosted by the Refugee Action Collective that talked about just that and they had people from the Labor Party actually in there. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the reality, you know. We need to, you know, I think there are a lot of good people who, who, you know, who are maybe in the Labor Party for whatever reason, in the, where, wherever they might be, who, you know, actually disagree with the corrupt, with, yeah. the, with, the, with the leadership who've, who've, take, who've made this decision on electoralist, on, on electoralist grounds or because they think it's kind of electorally not feasible to oppose refugees or whatever it might be. I think there are ordinary people who, who can see that that is... You know, really rank to rank opportunism to let these refugees, you know, perish on Manus Island because they think that they can score a few votes and say, actually, you know, if we build up a real refugee movement, you know, there's no reason that this should be a vote loser for the Labor Party. You know, actually, ordinary people, we can build a movement that sees yeah. that as kind of racist scapegoating 
and calls it out and says, actually, no, it's not refugees that are the reason that the, there's a housing crisis or, that, mm-hmm. you know, there's welfare payments that are too small. You know, actually, the same people who are cutting those welfare payments and the same people who, you know, oversee the Australian government, the, the Peter Duttons and the Malcolm Turnbulls are the same people who are locking up these refugees. That's exactly that's right. Important. Yeah. Jane, thanks so much for coming onto the program. You, you've actually um, covered quite a lot of ground, and I want to wish you the very best for the for the meeting. Thanks very much. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Good, good, good. And I'm sure right. we'll have you back at some stage. Hopefully so. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that was Dan from the from Solidarity, who was talking about a public forum coming up. Um, and the details of which is it's on the 28th of February at Melbourne Uni. And, um, yeah, Google Solidarity on the website, on their website, if you want to find out more. It's approximately 4.52. We're, we're actually nearing in the end of our show. Have we got time for a song, Pete? Uh, yeah. A, a short one? We'll play um, Elijah's song that goes mm. for four minutes, 30 oh. seconds. Should be enough. Yeah. Oh, we'll play something else then. <laughs> yeah, it's too long. We'll play, um, I'll just put it on a, Announcement. Announcement. Yeah. Okay. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. I just put on a song for um, you, Marissa. (laughs) Me? Yeah.
Man, you're back with the Doing Time show, and that was one of my favourite songs. Thanks, Peter. Um, from Titters, Come Inside, what is it? Inside My Kitchen. Inside My Kitchen. They used to play live everywhere, all over Melbourne, all over Queensland. It was just amazing. Anyway, we're nearing the end of our show. Um, thanks so much to our guests. Thank you very much to Tori, and thank you also to Dan for... Um, do, for con- doing some very valuable contributions to the show. Not sure what happened with Donna Schultz, um, who's a family member of Elijah, but I'm sure that we'll catch up with her at some stage and I'm I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks to organise um, an interview about him one way or another. Oh. And what time is it, Peter? We better get out of here. We've got to get out of here soon. Beyond Zero is up next. We're going out with our theme song now, Black Fella, White Fella from the Rumpy Band. See you next Monday at the same time, every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time Show. Bye.